Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome back to the Silver Fortune podcast slash YouTube channel. Uh, so earlier this week, I put out an episode titled The Biggest Downside to Physical Silver and I'd encourage you to check it out for yourself, but, but a bit of a spoiler alert. The, the biggest downside that I discussed in that, in that episode is premiums. Namely that premiums in the physical silver market suck. They're high. They're higher than they are in the gold market when you look at, you know, a percentage of, of the, you know, when you're looking at percentage premiums. And, and that's something that stackers should take into account, should not necessarily, you know, Use as, as a deterrent against buying physical silver in the first place, but it's something that we have to be aware of and, and, and be realistic about. Now, I want to follow that up with today's podcast in which I'm going to be talking about, um, my, you know, three of maybe the top three reasons why I pick physical silver or silver more broadly as an investment over gold. This isn't an all-inclusive list. It's in no particular order, though I'll say that number three in the list is probably the least important of the three, but it's important to me nonetheless. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to start off with number one on this list here, and that is price potential, upside price potential. Reason number one for silver versus gold, upside price potential. Now, what I mean by that is that as it stands right now, the gold to silver ratio is... Uh, is around 80 to 1 currently, just shy of 80 to 1. Historically speaking, that is in the high end of the range. If you look over the past you know, 30 years, the gold to silver ratio for the most part has found itself um, topping out in the, in the 80s, sometimes north of 90, and bottoming out um, in, in the 30s, 30 to 1. Now, obviously, we have some aberrations there. If you look at 2020 in particular, during the, the, the some of the kind of the COVID-related panic in early 2020, we saw the gold-silver ratio uh, top 120 to 1. Now, in physical terms, that was never the case. We had crazy high premiums on silver at that time, uh, but but it happened nonetheless on the paper side. Um, if you go further back in time, the gold-to-silver ratio used to be much lower and more commonly below um, 30 to 1 even, uh, even in, back in 1980, uh, 1981 during that time period. Um, but, but as a whole, if you're looking at, you know, where it tends to fall, 80 to 1 tends to be in the higher end of that range, meaning that relative to gold, silver has a greater upside potential and a less, lesser downside potential. Now, I should probably preface this all by saying none of this should be taken as an investment advice. Make these decisions for yourself and, and follow that up with saying that this is relative to gold. They both have, I think, a ton of upside potential, but hey, let's be honest, they have downside potential too. But in terms of you know, relative to each other, I don't see that ratio jumping back up to 120 to 1 or 100 to 1. Even 90 to 1 would be surprising. It could happen, but it'd be surprising. However, I, I fully anticipate that gold to silver ratio dropping in the future to um, 40 to 1, 30 to 1, 20 to 1. 
So, so what I mean is, is, is let's say gold, let's say gold doubles in the next, you know, pick a time period. Let's say next 18 months. Say gold doubles from roughly eighteen hundred. It's just shy of eighteen hundred dollars an ounce right now. But let's say from eighteen hundred to thirty six hundred. I would anticipate that if we see that move, silver is going to at least quadruple. That's what I would anticipate happening. I would expect that gold silver ratio to drop to at least forty to one, meaning silver would be more like ninety dollars an ounce given the current prices. Realistically, we could see it drop to twenty to one. That is not, that would not at all be unexpected. That's closer to some historical norms that we've had in the past prior to the last few decades. And, um, you know, I think when, when we have a big bull market, that would be a huge bull market for both metals and silver tends to outperform gold in those bull markets. So then we're talking silver, you know, hypothetically $180 an ounce. That's what I'm talking about upside potential. Silver could you know, quadruple could go up by five, six, seven, eight, ten times in the same time period that gold maybe goes up, you know, by a factor of two. Right. This isn't me down talking gold. I'm just saying, let's be honest about price potential and say that, yes, silver, I think, has a much greater upside price potential relative to gold. I think that because it is a smaller market as well, a smaller physical market, it is also much more prone to being squeezed to the upside. We saw, we, we got a taste of this earlier this year in 2021 with sort of the silver squeeze movement. But, but I think that that is something that we have to keep on our radar because I think silver will continue to be much more prone to squeezes because it's such a small market. We're talking, you know, uh, roughly a billion ounces coming onto the market each year, uh, including, you know, scrap and mining supply. Uh, multiply that by the price. We're talking a 22, $23 billion market at current you know, price levels, that is a small fraction of the gold market. And it doesn't take a whole lot of capital to move that, especially if that capital is flowing into physical silver versus, you know, the paper markets. I think silver has a much greater upside potential for that reason as well. It is much more squeezable, if that's, if we can use that adjective, much more squeezable than gold is. Reason number two, long-term prospects. Now, Gold predominantly as a predominantly as far as monetary assets go, gold is is the favorite. It is head and shoulders above silver. Since silver was removed from the world's currencies, and I'm talking about coins primarily back in the well in the case of, of the US 60s, um, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, depending on the country, as silver was removed from those currencies, it, it really fell out of favor in most countries. And, and that sort of remains the case today. Uh, silver is just not used by countries or central banks as a physical reserve. We have some suggestion pictures from a couple of years ago that, that maybe Russia owns physical silver, probably silver that was mined within their borders. We have no idea how much. They don't really talk about it. Otherwise, governments don't really own silver, except maybe in the case of mints, government mints that are minting physical silver. As far as we know, they don't hold reserves otherwise. Maybe they do, but we don't know about them. Gold, on the other hand, well, that's very common as a reserve by countries, monetary use. And it might sound like I'm down talking down silver here, but but hang with me here for a second. Um Gold is, is pretty widely used. Of course, uh, the U.S. has a huge amount of gold 
supposedly. The IMF has a lot of gold. A lot of European countries do. Russia and China, huge buyers of gold. India, um, many other countries, small and large, that own gold as a reserve asset for a variety of reasons. We can cover that in a different podcast. But, But they own gold a lot. And as far as we know, they don't own silver very much at all. So when I'm talking long-term prospects for silver, uh, first off, I'm talking about a reversal of that trend. I do believe that silver has a lot of advantages, which I'll get to here in a second, over gold as a long-term reserve um, asset. And I do believe that in the future, we will see countries and central banks moving into physical silver publicly. I it's been the trend for thousands of years. And, and I, you know, call me old fashioned, but I don't think that trend has ended yet. There'd be a lot of people that would say that, Hey, um, gold is, well, what's, it's just a, it's just a rock, right? It's, it's valued because of tradition, right? I've heard that before as well. Uh, by, I think it's Ben Bernanke. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is that despite this long-term trend, in, in all of human history, it's actually a pretty short-term trend, but this trend towards, digitalization of the economy and towards cryptocurrencies and, and central bank issued cryptocurrencies, um, countries continue to stack gold. So if that is the case for gold, then why isn't that the case for silver? And why won't that be the case for silver in the future? Considering that silver's history as monetary and as monetary asset extends, you know, roughly the same length back into human history as gold. I think that that will be, call it a mean reversion. I mean, that's essentially what I'm talking about is a mean reversion in terms of, of silver and its use in monetary terms. Now, the second aspect of this long-term prospects to silver relates to what what the heck silver gets used for versus gold. Gold, and again, this isn't me down-talking gold, but let's be honest. Gold has a lot of value that is put into it when it is mined. It is scarce and it takes a lot of capital to take out of the ground and refine and and, and get you know minted into coins or, or pressed into bars, melted into bars. A lot of capital that goes into that. At the end of the day, however, do you want to know how much of that gold that is you know brought onto the market each year through through scrap supply? and through mining is actually used for, you know, something productive. I'm talking industrial uses. It's less than 10%. In fact, if we look at the, uh, this is from 2019. So this is for the year 2018. This is the GFMS uh, gold survey. So it was put out in 2019. The total production for gold that year, and this is in tons, metric tons, I believe, 4,518 that, that's that's scrap and, and mining production and, and, and a little bit more from net hedging supply. 4,518 tons. Do you want to know how much of that was used for industrial fabrication? 391. Do the math. That's less than 10%. It's around 7% actually. Why is that important? Well, a big part of why I am a fan of silver is that because long-term it has a ton of industrial uses and long-term I expect that to be important. It doesn't mean that gold's worthless. It just means that, you know, if we're talking about intrinsic value for, for assets, value that's put into them, value that they have to industry, to society, um, well, gold has scarcity. It has tradition. It has jewelry uses, but it does not have that industrial side. Silver does. If you look at the same year, this is from the World Silver Survey. Um, if you're looking at 2019, actually, 2019 
year, um, we're, we're talking closer to 50% of, of the product, a little over 50% of the yearly production used in industrial purposes. That's a big discrepancy. And so some would say, well, that's why it's not a monetary metal these days because it's so important to industry. But why wouldn't a country stack it as a, a, a reserve asset then? Because it's used so widely in industry. There's a lot of other ones that are used widely in industry. They don't have a monetary history and a lot of times for a reason because they're, they're too, um, they lack that scarcity that it's not realistic to, to stack tin or magnesium or even copper. It takes up too much space. It, it's just, and, and it, it doesn't have that same monetary history. Silver does, and it has the industrial uses, which I think is going to be important over the long term in terms of, um, you know, helping push the price up and, and helping people realize why silver is valuable in the first place. It's a little harder, I'll be honest, to make that same case for gold. It has industrial uses, but not nearly as much. And, and actually on the topic of industrial uses, a lot of that industrial use in, in silver, that silver is lost. It's for, for all intents and purposes, it's lost until we hit a much higher price point and, and it becomes economically feasible to to scrap a lot of that silver that is used in minute quantities in electronics and, and building houses and buildings and cars and all of that. Um, a lot of that does not get scrapped. It doesn't make economic sense. That's not the case for gold, though, because, of course, gold is well, worth a lot more per ounce. So I think the long-term prospects, number two here, are really in favor of gold, both in terms of a mean reversion in their monetary use, as well as the fact that silver has a very well-established uh, set of industrial uses that make up around 50% of its demand versus gold, which is less than 10%. Finally, and, and as I said earlier on, number three in this list is maybe the least important to, to a lot of people. But, but silver is more accessible for the average investor. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, gold, you can get gold at fractional amounts, 10th ounce or smaller. There's those, what are they called? Gold backs out there that I saw recently. These are new to me, but gold backs, which are essentially, they look like sheets of paper, but they're very, they're very small amounts of gold. Very high premium with those, by the way. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of the other fractional gold, um, bars and, and coins and, and rounds and whatnot, they tend to be very high premium relative to um, normal gold, uh, normal gold, one ounce bars and and, and coins and, and larger. That tend to be a much higher premium than those. Now, don't get me wrong. If you look at the premium, it's actually probably pretty similar to physical silver across the board, one ounce to hundred ounce bars. But, but again, if, if I can buy a one ounce or a 10 ounce denomination of silver and know that, hey, the premium I'm paying is pretty similar to if I was buying like a 100 ounce bar, that's a little easier for me to stomach, even if that premium is higher. And believe me, I discussed it at length in that episode earlier this week, the, the biggest downside to physical silver. Um, that's a little easier for me to stomach than looking at the premium on a one ounce gold bar and looking at, hey, four or 5%, and then looking at, you know, a half ounce gold bar, quarter ounce, tenth, tenth ounce, which is going to be a much, much higher premium. Plus, smaller denominations 
means it's it's more easy for the, the average person to stack. Stack an ounce at a time, a couple ounces at a time. Maybe not if you're buying online because then you're missing out on free shipping oftentimes. Uh, a lot easier to maybe just do it through a local coin shop or, or save up and buy, you know, once every couple months, something along those lines. But but the sm- smaller denominations for silver are much more accessible. And once you're up over, you know, once you're not buying fractional silver, maybe one ounce or five ounce or 10 ounce denominations of silver, um, the premiums tend to come down considerably. Additionally, another benefit to the small denominations is um, uses for barter. And actually, somebody actually mentioned this in one of my recent videos. Um, they, they talked about, I think they called it like the myth of bartering using silver. And and I get it. And he basically said, oh, hey, each time I go to the silver store, all they offer me is dollars. And I get it. That's kind of what you'd expect with a stable currency and a stable economy and whatnot. But and it's been said a thousand times before, and, and I'll say it again here, is um Silver is is going to be far more barterable than gold. Now, in the whole scheme of things, there's probably many things that are going to be more barterable, depending on the the extent of an economic downturn, than silver and gold. This goes back to years ago on this channel. When I talked about, hey, if we get a real crap hit this hits the fan type of moment, I'm probably going to be bartering, gosh, food, gas, things like that, well before silver or gold because they're they're not going to be desirable for the average person, right? Um, it just, if you need to put food on the table, if you need to put gas in the fuel tank, those are going to be far more barterable items than silver and gold and until things sort of get worked out, which, you know, at that point, I think then silver and gold become very desirable and very valuable. Um, but in terms of barter, regardless, if we are going to barter with metals, silver makes more sense than gold. It's much, um, you can use those smaller denominations more easily than, you know, little flakes of gold or, or, or small fractional amounts of, of gold that you paid a high premium for in the first place. So, well, that's it. Top three reasons right there. Price potential, um, downside versus upside, the squeeze potential in silver. Uh, number two is the long-term prospects, both in a mean reversion for monetary use for silver, as well as industrial uses for silver, I think being a long-term buoy for silver prices, uh, something that gold just doesn't have, just being honest. Um, and number three, smaller denominations. It's more accessible for, for, for the average person than gold, in my opinion. Doesn't mean that gold's not, you can buy the small fractional amounts of gold. It's just going to take, you know, you're going to be paying a pretty decent premium compared to if you were to, you know, be able to buy a one ounce denomination of, of gold at a time. And it's got that barter ability, just creating all sorts of new words today, barter ability, squeezable. Uh, it's, it's got that um, potential as well to a much greater extent than gold. So, but hey, I'd love to hear from you down below in the comment section. Why is gold better than silver? Let me know. I'm, I'm curious because I know there's a lot of good reasons. There are. I mentioned one of them earlier that, hey, as it stands right now, gold has a much greater monetary use than silver. Silver does not get used in coins except for, you know, the kind of coins that you and I might buy, but not in terms of currency. Gold doesn't either, but gold is owned by central banks and governments the world over, and they keep buying it. So let me know down below in the comment section what ones did I miss on, on the gold side. As always, though, I'd like to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast. And God bless.